to the GRT Gaming Podcast, episode 702, recorded on November 8th, 702nd edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 535th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Jerk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Alright, what have you been playing, TJ? Uh, I've been playing the holy heck out of Alan Wake 2. Oh, okay. I love it. It's <laughs> such a strange game. And not the least for which is that, like, Sam Lake shows up as like a character insert almost immediately. And it's not a bad thing. Like he 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 plays a detective, an F, an FBI agent that's voiced by the same guy who voiced Max Payne in Max Payne 3. So you got Sam Lake's face on this character and Max Payne's voice coming out of him. It's it's like Max Payne 1 and 2 all over again. But then, like, the horror elements of the story and, like, the, the meta shifting and the jumps between, like, gameplay and live action sequences, like, this is what C- this is what FMV animation dreamed of being back in the 90s. This is, like, it's so weird and so good how well they put meshed these things together. And they built a really effective horror with it. Like, it's such an emotional whiplash how oddly things happen in the game. Like, you're fighting enemies, you're dealing with these pages that tell you what comes next, but then you're also, like, doing an investigation into murders, people with their hearts cut out fighting you. It's it's so weird. It's all so weird, and it's all so good. So I have a blast too? with it. What's up? You said this was Alan Wake 2? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and uh, man, it, it, like, I think Resident Evil 4 is still the superior game, but I think as far as horror games go, this might actually be my favorite horror game this year. Okay. That is cool. <laughs> so I remember um, FMV games and the best ones usually being Sierra or the uh, Command and Conquer. Those were pretty good FMVs. Well, Alan Wake 2 isn't an FMV game, but I know that <laughs> the Remedy loves their TV shows, so there's always FMV going on in their games. Mm. There's, like, sequences where, you, where you'll see, like, live-action segments. And, yeah, you're right. The TVs come back, and that's kind of, like, the side prop to it. But then there's, like, moments where you're actually, like, wandering around areas where, like, the the where, like live action sequences happen intertwined with the gameplay. Like you'll see a flashback of a scene. You'll, you'll like experience a flashback and it will be like playing over the gameplay in front of you, but it's a live action sequence. It's, it's, it's odd. It's, it's actually kind of hard to explain, but when it's playing, it's seamless. It's immersive. It doesn't break you out of the mood or break or take you out of the moment. It's very well done, and it's very Remedy, to to say the least. Like, Remedy has a very particular style about their games, I would say. 
And Alan Wake 2 is like the encapsulation of all of that over the years. And I would say it's like the most refined version of it as well. It's very good. I know some people are saying it's the closest thing to a new Silent Hill we'll get for a while. It probably is because it is that kind of wacky. Although we have to see what Bloober team is up to. <laughs> a lot of folks were uh, upset about recent Bloober team or Silent Hill 2 news because uh, a Best Buy listing uh, shared that like Pyramid Head is going to get like a whole dang origin story to yeah. play through. And, and that's not the point of period, uh, Pyramid Head. The Pyramid Head is just masculine uh, and infe- uh, a personification of a masculine desires, and which is why he has a big knife that he just shoves through those female nurses. Yeah, he's he's like the encapsulation of James Sins. And uh, he doesn't need an origin. That is his origin. He, he is James' darkest side. And Reminds me of when I, Pinhead I was my- just one of the other Cenobites. He wasn't anything special. But since everybody liked his design, he became the lead Cenobite, but he was never actually supposed to be the lead Cenobite. And he was definitely not really supposed to focus on his history, in which they did. Yeah. Like Halloween. Halloween was supposed to be an episodic series, but, like, everybody loved uh, uh, Mike Myers, Michael Myers so much that they were like, you got to bring him back. we got to have more Michael Myers. Here's the thing. It does seem to be a trend with horror is they find some villain character that's supposed to be just there for a week or so, like Spike on Buffy and Barnabas on Dark Shadows and Siler and Heroes. Well, I mean, with with Spike, he was just an interesting character that they just followed up on him. And what's funny is that Angel is supposed to be the romantic interest and he just got shunted to the side. Well, he got his own show, but Angel was never as interesting as Spike was or Drusilla for that matter. That's true. But uh, Masahiro Ito has even gone on saying he wished he never made Pyramid Head because people completely missed the point so badly. Okay, maybe that's closer to Bubba Fett then. Everybody obsessing over this uh, bounty hunter who didn't really have that many lines. Bubba Fett, one of the biggest failures. He's just a good design. Him and, and Darth Maul, they're good designs, but they're not good characters. Right. I mean... Canonically, in the third film, how does Boba Fett get not get killed? Oh, he gets whacked by a blind guy and gets eaten by a giant worm. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. The giant worm just you know just digests oh. really slowly. He got out. We're like, oh yeah, well you know Darth Maul was cut in half, but he got robot legs. Like yeah. I want to believe in Bloober Team because Bloober Team is clearly passionate about this project. They clearly want this to be good and. I don't know. It's maybe it's well, maybe they don't have a say in the matter. See, that's the problem. Yeah, the uh, pyramid head getting a full-on playable origin seems like something that a Konami executives asked for <laughs> or demanded. Well, they remember it's the merchandising. You need to sell pyramid head toys. Yeah, that makes sense. That's why. Uh, that's why uh, Young Justice wasn't able to go far because uh, the. It's a fantastic show, and it was grading high ratings, but you know what? No one was buying the toys, so we can't have it. Got to sell those toys. That's how Pokemon goes. It doesn't matter about the game. The game is like a minor percentage of it. The, the entire point of the game is to introduce new Pokemon so they can make new plushies out of out of the Pokemon. And you might notice that um, as the years have gone on, the Pokemon have gotten rounder and rounder and rounder and less spiky. That's because uh, rounder makes for better toys. Mm-hmm. 
marketable plushies. Yeah. I I always wanted a, a, a Bulbasaur plushie. <laughs> Make a real Bulbasaur plushie that just squirts when you squeeze it. Like a flamethrower Charizard. Though. I mean, imagine we don't a, even pe- really a Pikachu that electrocutes you if you touch it wrong. <laughs> Interesting is that we we. We're supposed to get Silent Hill 2 remake in 2023, but they're running out of 2023 to throw this uh, game in. You only got about two months left. Well, they're running out of time for them to release Baldur's Gate 3 on Xbox in 2023, too. I thought they were going to do that in early 2024. No, they they said before. Yeah. Yeah. There's other games that are coming out in 2024. So, as for me... um, I upgraded my RAM to from 16 to 32 gigabytes, and now uh, 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 City Skylines 2 runs nice and silky smooth at 2K. And I swear, uh, I'm just getting deeper and deeper into the game, and it's like I'm not having to worry about the graphics. I'm getting sucked into the to the mechanics that are in the game, and it's like there's just so much going on. It's almost overwhelming. You have to. It's. Have you played it yet, TJ? Uh, Cities two. Yeah. I've not had a chance to do it because right now I only have my laptop, and I'm still concerned as to whether or not it can make it work. I think there was a recent patch that makes it work a little easier. But if you even if you if you do it on on low resolution, you know, not something you know, like 1080p, it'll run fine. And it's like, it's like. Mm. It's, I'm going to get in there eventually because, like, a game like City of Skylines, as long as it's not, like, atrociously stuttering, I don't need it to be, like, a smooth 60 frames per second. It's a city manager. It's so. supposed to be 30 frames per second anyway. So, but it's like, I just, it's like, everybody, every single citizen has something to do. And it's like, everything happens logically. And you just. Even the pets have names and histories, and you can follow them around. The pets. So it's like, it's like, okay, um, okay. So the wind is going this way, so I got to make sure that the that the that the that the residents aren't downwind of the of the coal plant. And uh, one frustrating thing was that to be downwind of the coal plant, but the water was going the other way, so I had to create a very long. A uh, sewage line, so it didn't spew out muck into people's drinking water. Um, and then you know, it's like you have children and teens and adults, and it's just you know, and you have the radio station, and every so often the narrative will, they'll cut in and start talking, and usually it's something related. Like if there's if uh, there's a boom in commercial districts, it'll they'll start they'll break in and t- start talking about how, you know, businesses are moving in. And then you have the uh, the Twitter XP, which, you know, has people tweeting or new businesses opening tweeting. Everything has an address. So if you click on that address, you go straight to that building. You can see everything about that building. You can go to a family and see everything about that family or everything in that apartment building. And it is just so involved. I mean, it it's like, if if it's like Forza in that if if you really want to just have a surface level, you can do that. 
you know, but if you really want to get into the nitty gritty, the game will go, okay, here's 40 info screens that you can consult. <laughs> 40 about like 40 ish info layers. And, you know, you could, you can, you can micromanage if you want. And it's, I'm finding that I'm running out of room, so I'm, I'm going to have to buy land next to it. But mm. also I notice, oh, wait, I'm now losing $60,000 uh, every in-game day. So I have to figure out how I'm going to make that money. And taxes ain't cutting it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you're in for a treat. This game you, you can delve really deep into and never escape. Nice. Yeah, um, it's a shame I'm, that I'm it really had the excited. it's a shame it had the graphical glitches, uh, you know, and sort of damaged its launch, you know, perception. But really, uh, it's just City Skylines Two in a year from now will be everything that everybody wanted from it. I mean, it already sounds like it's most of the way there. It just needs some optim optimizations along the way. I think it got some because um, I don't think it was just the 32 gigabytes of RAM that did it. I think there was also a patch probably that, that you know, one of those hot fixes. I'm pretty sure there was probably a hot fix because everything on auto download anyway. Yes, I remember my uh, one of my colleagues saying that one of the last set of patch notes for uh, the game optimized some key things that were really messing things up. Yeah. And you know, it's... It's just the way the game evolves as you play it, you know. And, you know, every time I stop at a certain point, you say, "Okay, you know what? Now that I know about that, I'm going to start over with that in mind." You know, it's sort of, sort of one of those games in which you play a bit and you realize, "Oh, you know what? I could do better. Stop, restart, do it again." I have done that as well. Yeah. Anyways, did, uh, there was a note in the last patch notes where uh, now the game will prioritize rendering large objects and rendering small objects afterwards to help with the GPU. So that probably helped quite a bit. Yeah. Like I said, I have 32 gigabytes now, so everything's running butterly smooth, buttery smooth. Um, Starfield too. I haven't played much Starfield lately because I've been doing a lot of other stuff. Um, but now it's like when I get into Starfield, all the grass is waving, you know, it's like individual grass almost. So that looks a lot better, too. And we have some news about Starfield as well we're going to talk about, but not just yet. Uh, Scott, what have you been playing? I've been playing Star Ocean 2 Remake, and it's been oh. really enjoyable. Uh, I, I, I like the voice acting. All the uh, portraits are really good. They, um, they've lip-synced them, and they have different emotional reactions, so it's nice to see those. The combat's good. I think they upgraded it because they introduced a mechanic where you, as you kill enemies, you uh, generate these little, I guess, star points or whatever, and they unlock an ability depending on your formation that you're using. Okay, and, I'm going to say uh, right now, it looks like uh, what 100 Heroes is going to be. Really realistic environments, but with the anime character, the TD yeah. anime characters, sort of blended in there, so it looks like they're a part of the environment. Yeah. That's uh, that I would say that's accurate. And um, they also, I think, introduced some other stuff because there seems to be guild quests that just keep I, I keep getting uh, um, battle points and, and, and skill points all over the place 
with these uh, quests and and just I know everything little thing you do seems to get you stuff. And of course, the game has fishing, so if you need to do your JRPG fishing, you can do that. Um, yeah, so far, so it's overwhelmingly positive on Steam. Yep. Although there's only 838 reviews, so it's like a, people who love the uh, the game have played it, but I don't I don't think it's getting the uh, the attention that and. Uh, I didn't know that it had come out, so that that sort of says something, Square. Okay, I guess they. I don't know. I I noticed it, so I, I don't <laughs> know what else to say there. And also, there's a demo on Steam if anybody wants to try yeah. it out. So it's a good game. Anyways, uh, we're gonna move on to the quick news. Um, and speaking of Starfield, uh, Starfield's big DLSS update is now available on Steam. Um, in beta, the update also allow, enables people to eat and drink wherever they want to. Uh, previously in the game, in case you're wondering, you had to pick up food to eat it. Now you can just eat it as it sits on a table or something. There's a bunch of other updates to it. Um, I didn't have a big deal. I didn't really, you know, I'm, I'm not that upset about not having DLSS, but I know that it was a major issue for people who really wanted DLSS on the game. Yeah, this was like... I, I I heard people with like a tinfoil hat thought that like AMD somehow stopped this from happening from the get go because uh, Microsoft and AMD have made a deal on something. But like, I don't know, it's it just seems like something that they had to work to implement. And, and based on the patch notes, I saw that it's first it's in beta and second, you can't run some of the features with vSync on. So it sounds like they're it's like a work in progress. For those who don't know, DLSS is uh, d- deep learning, deep learning and uh, super resolution. No, uh, deep learning something something. <laughs> deep learning super sampling. Right, and basically what it does is um, it enables your computer to just go crazy. <laughs> yep. It enables ray tracing uh, for some things. Uh, you know, there's. There's just a lot that it can do, and it just makes everything look great. I mean, if you use DLSS with uh, Cyberpunk 2077, you'll know what I mean. Yeah. It smooths, it, like, it smooths everything out in real time and is supposed to like basically use AI to fill in the gaps of wherever the graphics are up to snuff. Which, it's very cool when it's in action, and if you have the the rig to work it, but for a game like Starfield that's already beautiful when you're when it's yeah. in action, this is going to be fun to have. Well, I plan to get a 3080 or 3090, you know, and I need a 4000, but I need to I want to get that at some point because I do want to play Portal in Ray Traced. Ray Traced Portal, I have it. I want to play it in Ray Trace just to see how it is in Ray Traced. So, yeah, I'm going to get a new sound card, uh, sound card, graphic card at some point. When's the last time I bought a sound card? I don't know, 20, <laughs> 20 years, maybe 30. I mean, the, here's the thing. You can buy a new computer that does have a sound card, but usually <coughs> the sound card is for um, output. It'll have the output jacks uh, so that you can do, you know, special things, but it, the computer no longer needs a sound card. Sound cards are basically just now really for uh, output. I do, you know, at some point, I do also want to get a TV in out so I can uh, stream Xbox V60 games through my PC. I always liked uh, doing video capture from uh, TV or VCR 
I haven't done that in such a long time. Yeah, I have some tapes that I might want to do that with. But but no, basic, basically, I do. I just want to, uh, you know, stream Xbox 360 games through it. Anyways, um, more quick news. Uh, Mario Brothers Wonder, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, sells 4.3 million worldwide. Nintendo states all C- uh, Switch sequels are selling better than the predecessors, including Mario Kart, uh, Animal Crossing, Super Smash, and... 3D Mario, but I, here's the thing: you have to put an asterisk on Animal Crossing, um, the last one, because it was basically during a pandemic when everybody was inside and you could download it digitally and you could play it because you weren't able to go out. So it got a little help from there. But uh, Mario, uh, uh, Mario uh, Wonder uh, seems to be getting a lot of praise. Have either of you played it yet? Yes, I no, love it. not yet. It's a very good game. Like the the way that they the way that they improvise and bring new mechanics and on a series that's thirty five years old and make it feel fun and fresh again is neat. I love I love Elephant Mario. And, <laughs> yes, uh, he's actually he's actually now the poster child for that game. <laughs> and I love the wonder effects. Every every stage has a wonder effect when you get the wonder flowers that makes it just weird and zany and introduces like creative new challenges. And I really, really, not only do I think this like is a good Mario game on its own, I think it's the blueprint for super Mario maker three, because there's a lot of tools. There's a lot of enemies and mechanics and guess who's back. Daisy. Daisy is back. Yeah. And so is Toadette. When's the last time you saw Toadette? (laughs) There are so many things in this game that make it seem like Super Mario Maker 3, when it happens, is going to be a blast. I mean, it's Mario, but, you know, um, the it has it's a lot of people are doing this now, you know, the full 3D backgrounds, but everything's 2D in front. And it's sort of like you're playing plasticine characters now. And they did a great job with multiplayer, too. Like, basically now, when you turn on multiplayer, you'll have other players that are also racing. You'll see their, like, ghosts racing through the courses as well. And it's more than just cosmetic. Like, you, uh, if you die and you, uh, and you touch the ghost, of another, uh, the ghost of another player, then it'll bring you back to life. And you yeah. can continue the level. And I don't want to be sound churlish, but Rayman did that a long time ago. <laughs> but it's it's good in this case because like you don't necessarily play with the same people. You just have a bunch of online people that will like randomly appear in your in your oh. stage that because they happen to be playing at the same time as you. Okay. I see Goomba's and, wearing a Mario hat and a Luigi hat and a mushroom hat and a Yoshi hat. Yeah. There's a. Uh, I'm gonna say it. The the wonder effects go wild in this game, and that's that might or might not be one of those things. And the Mario's gotten to the point of being like Ratchet and Clank in terms of the character uh, visuals. It's very sharp. It's like you're playing with an actual toy. Mm-hmm. It's just a very good overall game, like top to bottom. It's just an extremely good uh, platformer. And it sounds like Nintendo let a lot of younger developers work in ideas for this one. Like apparently it was just in development for a pretty long time. And they played around with thousands of ideas and figured out and sifted it down to like what they actually wanted to put in. I wonder if they said, "We want Daisy." 
Bring back Daisy. We haven't seen Daisy. <laughs> Does Pauline appear? Uh, not that I've seen so far. Oh, okay. That's that's who has to appear next, is Pauline. She was there when it all started, damn it. Yeah. When Mario was known as Jumpman. And of course, Luigi now uses his hat as a parachute. Wait a minute. Yep. Luigi is Mario's little brother? Yeah. I mean, I know that was the way it was in the Super Mario movie uh, with Bob Hoskins, but... He's always been like his little, little, his uh, little tall, lanky brother. I know, but not younger. I always thought they were more like twins. Huh. Um, I believe there's a DLC on the way too. Also, it's we- also one of the weirder things is that the toads use their mushroom caps as uh, as floaty devices instead of hats, huh. which confirm that uh, the mushrooms on their heads are sci- kind of hats, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But Toadette is back. Mm-hmm. Did she ever leave is the question. I don't know. The last few Mario games, all the Toads are the same. It's like there were millions of Toad clones. So did you get the drill mushroom? Yes. I've uh I've gotten the bubble power up and the drill power up. And all of them are just dang fun. Even even I don't know, something Something about the Fire Flower just feels more snappy in this game. I don't know. It's all very well polished, very well done. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, Chucky's coming to Dead by Daylight with Brad Dourif voicing him, and Jennifer Kelly will also be playing Tiffany uh, uh, with a, as an alternate skin, which is really cool. If you want to play as Chucky, you can play as Chucky, or you can play as uh, Tiffany instead. Uh, it's too bad. I'm pretty sure one of the survivors won't be Jennifer Tilly because I still enjoy Seed of Chucky. In which Jennifer Tilly played herself. Yeah, from what I can see so far, it doesn't look like we're going to have a. It doesn't look like we're going to have a survivor this time. It looks like it's just going to be a killer, which. That's not so bad. Chucky's a great Chucky's a great addition, and the fact that they got Brad Dourif and Jennifer Tilly for this is even better. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, it was sort of like the Turtles with Injustice Two. Instead of just getting. The turtles all together. It's like you can alternate between them. You could be Leonardo or Mary or uh, be Leonardo or Michelangelo or stuff like that. Here you can either you can choose to be either Chucky or, or Tiffany, and have their original voices voicing them. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I was gonna have if there was gonna be a survivor around, uh, uh, like based like a on little kid play. from the first game. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like he he he's in the the series for like three movies, right? Yeah. But in he's 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 old in, in the in the third movie. It's like you know not old but older. Better when he was just kicking the crap out of Chucky as an eight year old kid. Andy Barclay. Yeah. But um. Oh, you know what? Actually, <laughs> maybe it'd be nice if they somehow snuck in Glenn or Glenda. Yeah. Because that is the son or daughter of Chucky and Tiffany. They don't know which he is. Yeah. Like, this... It's actually kind of surprising that it took them so long to do Child's Play, because Chucky is a ridiculously creepy horror icon. Let me ask you a question. Maybe they were waiting, because would you want to have Chucky voiced by anybody but Brad Dourif? No, not at all. See, there you go. So it was just like maybe they were patient with Brad Dourif saying, "Okay, I'll do it." 
And money can't be a problem because they literally just put Nicolas Cage in the game earlier this year. Yeah. I like the fact that Eddie Fertilli is involved too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that people would have been happy to see a Bride of Chucky skin, but to have Jennifer Tilly come back and, and play the role is fantastic. Like, I'm, you got to hand it to Behavior Interactive. They take this stuff seriously. They're very passionate about it. They have an they have a good idea of what makes horror work and what horror fans love about their franchises. And, like, Brad Dorif and Jennifer Tilly are, like, a big part of what people love about Chucky. Speaking of... Um... Speaking of these games, I'm glad that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is also gotten a big following because, you know, uh, these are the guys that did Friday the 13th and they lost the licensing. They made sure that they're going to have the licensing forever for, for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And fans who are playing Friday the 13th are really enjoying um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre because now you have a choice of more than one villain in that. You have three villains that you can choose from or play together. Mm -hmm. I think it's like three versus four. Sure. But you have the three family members and you have the four survivors, something like that. So I'm glad that they were able to rebound. And, you know, if you can't have Friday the 13th, hey, Texas Chainsaw Massacres is a good choice, too. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, we're going to move on to game news. Uh, <laughs> Rockstar officially announces GTA 6 reveal in December. This comes from some PC Gamer. Mere hours after rumors began to spread that Rockstar was gearing up for an official Grand Theft Auto 6 announcement, Ahead of a proper, tra proper trailer in December, Rockstar has gone and made an official GTA 6 announcement ahead of the proper trailer in December. Uh, in the post on a Rockstar blog marking the studio's 25th anniversary, company president Sam Hauser announced that in early December, we will release the first trailer for the next Grand Theft Auto before letting people know that the studio looks forward to many more years of sharing these experiences with you. He's, uh, I'll, I'll comment that in a moment. There's still plenty that is unknown about the next entry. Um, there's two Bonnie and Clyde inspired main characters. It's set in Vice City, and it's believed it'll come out in 2024. Yeah, uh, this is like it was spending many more years of sharing these. Yeah, that means uh, they'll be releasing it for the PlayStation 6, the PlayStation 7, the PlayStation 8, for the Xbox XSYZ, or whatever. It's gonna, they're just going to milk this thing like nothing else. Uh, the one thing I wonder is 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 if it's going to be fully online, you know, like sort of like an online sandbox that that is not it's single player, but still online connected in that, you know, you have connectivity there and you can invite people into your, your uh, city and stuff like that. I know that GTA online is making bank like nothing else. And from Bonnie and Clyde, I'm glad – one thing I enjoyed from GTA V were the heists in which you had to you had to pick people. And I always thought it was too limited. I wish there was more of a selection and, you know, it was more planning to it. But I do like the idea of expanding on the heists from GTA V. Yeah, for sure. Those were always some of the most fun parts of the game. And uh, – I just love this. It's an announcement of an announcement. Yeah, and <laughs> – it seems to me that this announcement wouldn't have happened, but but I also heard that there were leaks. And, yeah, uh, no, I'm I'm pretty sure Rockstar made those leaks. I, this 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 is fake leaks. These are these are leaks by the by the by the studio. There is yeah. no way in hell that they didn't do this themselves. I mean, maybe so because like they have been pretty mum on this for a while, despite everyone trying their hardest to see under the curtain. And it's in 2024, so they 
been, you know, working on it for years. I mean, what else have they been working on? I mean, Red Dead Redemption came out, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out in, what, 2018, if I remember correctly? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, what else have they been doing? Not, they haven't re-released a ping pong game again. They should release, <laughs> they should release another ping pong game. Grand Theft Auto 6. It's, oh. uh. As long as Trevor's not there, I'm, uh, Francis Trevor, whatever. That, that they'll, come up, they'll come up with an even more abhorrent character. I think maybe not. I think, um, they, I think, uh, well, anyways, but Audie and Clyde, okay. Set in Vice City, though, so it's been a while since we've been to Vice City. Vice City was always my favorite setting of all of the uh, Grand Theft Autos, so I'm excited for that. I like a good coastal, like, I, I like the Miami feel of Vice City. Like, I Liberty City is decent, and uh, well, I, I can't even remember what the L.A. version is supposed to be. Los Santos, that's the one. It was actually L.A. and San Francisco. San Andreas. Oh, okay. Oh, Los Santos um, was the L.A. part of it, but San Andreas was the name of the game. But Vice City, there's something about Vice City that's just like, it's exotic, it's party time all the time, it's... You know, a lot of flock of seagulls, you know, Iran. Yeah. All the '80s music, <laughs> all the Miami Vice, uh, was it inspired stuff? That's another part of it I, I kind of like that. I hope kind of makes it over to Grand Theft Auto Six. Is like I love that sort of vaporwave vibe. I love me some, uh, I love me some pinks, some purples, some blues, oh. and some oranges. I'd laugh if they if they said, oh, guess what? It's not based in Miami. It's more of a version of Las Vegas. I wouldn't mind that. I don't know. Vice City sounds fun, though. And it's been a long time since we've had anything take us back there. Yeah. Uh, Take the next item, TJ. Alrighty, will do. PlayStation and X Breakup from CGM. Sony made a startling announcement late on Monday evening when they announced that the PS4 and PS5 consoles will no longer be able to share X and Twitter posts, removing X and Twitter integration entirely. Way back in April this year, Microsoft drove the final nail into their own X and Twitter integration, effectively ending the ability to share Xbox console screenshots or video clips with the platform. The reasoning back then was was so that Microsoft did not have to pay the upcoming growing API fees from Twitter and X. Elon Musk himself responded to the potential traffic loss to Twitter back then with, I'm open to ideas, but ripping off the Twitter da- database, demonetizing it, removing ads, and then selling our data, data to others isn't a winning solution in a, po- in a post on the site. Yesterday, Sony announced a similar plan for their own Twitter X integration. Effective as early as next week, PS4, PS5 consoles will not be able to sh- will not be able to share directly with the site. Sony took things a step further and announced current content published straight to the site will also become unavailable as soon as next week, following Sony's previous termination of the Spotify app on PlayStation. All X inter- all X and Twitter integration ends on November 13th, according to Sony, leaving only the Nintendo Switch as the last big three consoles to share to X and Twitter. You, know, you, can, you can give it that's going to go bye-bye, too. Yeah. Although X also killed its integration with X Twitter, 
are, although Microsoft also killed its integration with X Twitter, fans still regularly post their concept, their content to the site with workarounds. Sony details sharing by allowing fans to upload their screen caps to the PS app taken by using the DualSense Create button, and then upload their ex-Twitter posts account manually. This can also apply to video content, not 4K, that is within three minutes of length. While this is not as easy as it currently is, it does correct the issue. So and actually, I, I've been I've been using uh, the PS app to get my clips and screenshots over to Twitter anyways, because... Yeah, so you can do it on the Xbox app, and basically what you do is on the Xbox you you uh, say, you upload it to the um, you upload it to not the not OneDrive, but it's uh, to the to the you upload it to the system, and then from the app you can you can take that picture and just share it on Twitter. <coughs> What's yeah. annoyed people is that um, they all got the announcement that old uh, videos that are on the uh, that are on the sit on you know not in the cloud oh jeez uh just stuff that's uploaded to the Xbox um uh, where they keep all the pictures and videos will be deleted after like 6 months it won't delete yeah. stuff that's on your console because that's your hard drive space that you're you're occupying but anything you sent uploaded online will be taken off which is a slight bummer but again you can easily just save that stuff on some other site you know, just just take it off and just put it somewhere else. This is Elon's own fault. It didn't have to be this way. He's trying but, to make a super app, and it's not going to happen. No, he he has he has absolutely no idea of what makes Twitter special or how yeah. or how I, it works. I think I've heard that he's uh, considering taking off the hashtag. It's like he wants to tank uh, Twitter. Well, no, the thing is that. Um, Half of all those blue tags that subscribed last year have, have are gone now, so people have found that those blue tags aren't really worth anything, so they're just opting out. They don't want to pay for it. So that's why they say, I'm going to take them off completely. Well, yeah, because no one, because you're losing them. Yep. And he's not, like, doing anything to win advertisers back. Like, if anything... It's just getting worse and worse and worse, and then he goes and makes posts about how woke mob is ruining America, and it's like, a that has nothing to do with anything. B you're promoting terrible people, and C your content, your platform is a zoo of horrible content that includes violence, pornography, and much worse things. I don't mind the pornography. Right the pornography is fine. <laughs> <coughs> I mean, it's I'm not I'm not shaming sex workers, but I am going to say that I don't log on to Twitter and then fucking just like a floppy dick comes across my timeline from somebody <laughs> that I don't fucking even follow. Yeah, with me, it's different. I'm getting all these right wingers that I definitely do not follow. I'm thinking, wait, why is it targeting me? <laughs> so it's like. And thank God, you know, Apple has the policy that um, if you remove your ability to to block people, they will take your app off the store. Because Elon does not like the block function. He does yeah. not. He wants to take it off. But if he does that, then he's committing suicide because Apple will say, fuck you, bye. Yeah. If he loses, uh, if he loses the app store, then he's truly fucked that app into the ground. Although I will say it is a website, not an app, technically. 
the app just accesses the website. So I'll be pedantic there for a moment. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've already been using this workaround with the PS app because it's uh, like way, way back. PlayStation got rid of integration with uh, Facebook. So I didn't have a way to post screenshots and screen and uh, clips to you, Facebook. Do you remember when Sony had this thing in which every time you did something, it would post that to Twitter and your timeline was full of all these PlayStation posts, like hundreds and hundreds every day. It's like just spamming everybody with what you're doing on your PlayStation. You remember that? It was like kind back of. in the PlayStation three days. Yeah. And now, thank goodness, they have tons of options for how much you want to share and how little you want to share. But uh, it was a long way here. <laughs> I wish there was more of a social presence on the Xbox, though. I mean, you have your profile and you have your things, but I don't really. To me, it's like underselling it. You know, as bad as PlayStation Home was, I would like a little bit more integration along those lines on consoles, you know, in which there was more of a interactivity in which there was a button in which you can leave a message for friends or something like that, you know, not just post something on your timeline. And I almost never check other people's timelines. I mean, they have clubs, but I don't think that's enough. And clubs are just for people who are looking for group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I know a lot of folks that are really lamenting this are, are fighting games players. Cause Sharing tech directly from the PlayStation to Twitter was like a lot of people do that all the time. And I'm not going to lie. It's how I found a lot. It's how I it's like Twitter used to be a place where when a new fighting game came out, I would wait like a week or so. And then I would start looking for hashtags of the character that I want to play and looking up like the combos that they can do because it was a great way to share it. Not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. Anyways, uh, Scott, take the next item. Okay. Nintendo says Switch release won't be bound by a traditional platform lifecycle. This is from Eurogamer. As reports of a Switch successor continue to build momentum, despite carefully phrased rebuffs from Nintendo, the Mario Maker has said it'll continue to release titles for its current console without being bound by the traditional concept of the platform lifecycle. Nintendo made the statement thanks to Game Informer as part of its latest earnings report, in which it also confirmed Switch sales have now surpassed 132 million units. Uh, writing Switch will be entering its eighth year, uh, March 2024. We will continue to release new titles and content for Nintendo Switch without being bound by the traditional concept of the platform lifecycle. By the way, we- uh, by the way, you know what? Um, just so you know, so people know that. Um, Today, uh, Nintendo had their earnings call, which is why we're getting so much Nintendo news right now. I always thought it was interesting. People were like, they just have this idea from somewhere how long a console is supposed to be around and how popular and all that. And I always thought that was weird. Like, it's just it's as around as long as it wants to be. And it just always seemed strange that people said it had a life cycle. Here's the thing. The point of this entire article, um, there's more of it, but we might as well talk about it. Um, is that um, Nintendo's usual thing was that when it released a console, everybody switched to the new console. You know, they just looped to the new console. If you had a Wii, you went to the Wii. Oh, that's a bad example. You went Nintendo 64, you went to the GameCube, you went from the GameCube, you went to the Wii. 
And generally, for a long time, it was like, yep, your old games, that's fine. You have to buy new games now. Um, <clears throat> then they had backwards compatibility between the, uh, I think it was the GameCube and the Wii, and then the Wii U and the Wii, and now the Switch. And what they're saying here is that they're going to be doing what PlayStation and Microsoft are, uh, Sony and Microsoft are doing right now with their, because a lot of the new games that are being released on Xbox and PlayStation are for the previous gen. They just happen to work on the new gen. There's the first party games are generally the new gen only, but a lot of games work. You know, if, if you see, if you go into Microsoft store, a lot of those games are going to be for, also for the Xbox one and same thing with play, uh, Sony uh, PlayStation. A lot of new games that are on the store are going to be for the PlayStation four. They just happen to work with the PlayStation five too. So it sounds like Nintendo is going to continue to release stuff for the, for the, for the switch that's out now even after the next switch comes out so that the, there's going to, there's going to be the same, you know, it's just that the switch two or whatever it's going to be called is going to be a little more powerful and hopefully have a lot more memory in it. Yeah. And I mean, we do have a, uh, we do have a, a timeline on the switch as well. Like how long they're going to support it. It was like, I forget which earnings results it was, but the president of Nintendo basically said they, they intend to support the original Nintendo switch through 2025. By the way, uh, Scott, read the last paragraph. The inference, which isn't no Nintendo has already announced. Okay. Nintendo has already announced a robust lineup of switch titles leading through to at least summer of next year including Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Princess Peach Showtime, Another Code Recollection, and Luigi's Mansion uh, HD, 2 HD, uh, with the likes of Paper Mario 1000 Year Door HD and Mario Prime 4 also on the way. The company has said its goal is to minimize the dip you typically see in the last year of cycle, one cycle and beginning of another. Its latest statement pointing to continued support for Switch Robber Vague perhaps offers a clue on how it's planning to achieve that. I refuse to believe my Metroid Prime 4 is coming out anytime soon. That is just a ghost. That that That's that's stuff in mirrors. It's vaporware. I don't believe there's going to be a Metroid Prime 4. I mean, it's I supposed to have I... come out for the past how many years now? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've had a remaster. We had uh, the Metroid Dread. I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't count it out. I just, you know, because it's one of their IPs. You know, they're their uh, pillars that they use. And so I, I would it? say more Metroid is good just as much as more Zelda or more Mario. I don't know. Is Metroid really one of the pillars anymore? I mean, it's hardly regarded, but it's not like. They're possibly releasing, you know, like they do with Mario or Zelda. I would never have considered Metroid a a pillar. It's like it has a really, really fervent fan base and they are very, very dedicated. But it's more I would I would put Metroid in the same camp as F-Zero. I mean, look, four of the titles of the six we mentioned were all Mario games. Yeah. Yeah. And like like I said, I would put Metroid in the same camp as F Zero. They have a re- they have really dedicated fans, but that's not what you think of when you think of Nintendo immediately. I don't know. I guess um, when I was playing Animal Crossing, I would see stuff from the other IPs, like you get the Mario stuff, you get the Zelda stuff, and there was even some uh, Metroid stuff in there too. So yeah, Metroid Dread, the last one I believe was you know 
When did Metroid Dread come out? Was that like two years ago? I thought it was, yeah, it might be in two years. I think it was 2022. Yeah, it was 2022. I just wonder when the next Kid Icarus is going to come out or the next Star Fox or, you know, there's a lot of pillars that are out there that, well, not pillars, but, you know, original IPs that have been really popular that they simply not have, have not uh, uh, supported lately. Pikmin 4 was kind of a surprise that they actually released that. Yeah. And like it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the next Nintendo Switch when it finally does happen because even if they've denied what like might be going on the the there was a recent patent that talked about it that Nintendo filed that talked about a dual screened handheld gaming device that could split into two pieces. So we're talking about like your you might have like a switch sized Nintendo DS type thing. And then you can like unclip the top screen part and put it somewhere and like, uh, like as if you were playing the switch on a, or you could have two people playing with it with a screen each. Yeah. It just, everything is so interesting about it. And like, I'm really excited to see what happens, but I also like, I cannot complain about Nintendo has had a stellar 2023. I'm going to say they've had a stellar uh, last seven years with a Switch. Yeah. But, like, this year in particular, they they put out a remake of uh, Metroid Prime, which everybody loved. A the, the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which everybody was waiting on forever. A really good core Super Mario game. Uh, they've got Super Mario RPG remake coming up this month. It's just been, like, they've been on a... They've been on a hot streak. Which is why the new console will make bank. I mean, even if you love your Switch, you're going to get the new one, because right now the trust factor is high in terms of what Nintendo is uh, putting out. You're dang right, and I don't care if I'm an idiot about it. I will buy every one of these games again on, on that new console. I don't think you'll – but here's is. the thing. That, that what The entire article is saying you won't need to do that. Yeah, I, like, and I hope that's the case, but I would if I needed to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I understand the fear, TJ, I really do, because, I mean, I remember growing up playing the NES, and then we got a Super Nintendo, and, of course, there was no backwards compatibility there, and well, then the you go to N- N64, and there's no backwards compatibility. I mean, you can't. There's cartridges. But, uh, you know, I, I do know that fear as well. Yeah. But, like, I'm, I'm excited. There's so much good stuff still ahead for Nintendo, too, and I'm just, I'm here for it. I love it. And the last item, uh, the enormous new Stellaris DLC finally has a release date, and this comes from some PC Games N. The massive new Stellaris DLC, Astral Plains, which introduces entirely new realities with our own branching stories and consequences, finally has a release date. The Paradox Space Strategy Sim is already enormous, but Astral Plains is set to expand the entire Stellaris universe with dozens of fantastical new worlds, providing additional research, technologies, quests, and consequences to explore terrors in space-time. With Astral Planes, strange tears in the fabric are called Astral Scars, which will begin to appear. During the mid-game, these will eventually blossom into Astral Rifts, which you can study and research and eventually explore using one of your scientists. Similar to archaeological sites, your scientists will steadily report back any findings and technological resources they can find inside the rifts, but there's a catch. As your scientists explore the rifts, there are more than 30 possible rift sites in your Stellaris universe, 
You'll be presented with choices on how to proceed. You might want to be cautious and pick research options that protect your precious explorers. Alternatively, you can be more daring and risk a lot of your scientists in hope of making an incredible new discovery. Every rift serves as a branching, self-contained story, and the outcome will depend entirely on your decisions. It's coming out uh, Thursday, November 16th. I just started uh, Stellaris again in fits and because I've been busy with some other games. I plan to get back into uh, more into it. And just playing the regular game is daunting unto itself. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've been back in Stellaris. I think the the last time I started a campaign in that game was when Behemoths came out. I think that was what it was called, where you had like these planet sized monsters roaming the galaxy, and uh, it was like random which ones could appear during your game. I bet that if I played Stellaris right now and started up a game with all the DLC they've had, it would just be <laughs> mind-blowingly different. Keep that keep that like, tutorial uh, toggle on. <laughs> yeah. Like, between... I, I know they introduced the robotic AI races. I know that they introduced, like, an actual... Like, a straight-up uh, late-game war that happens in Stellaris now. Uh. And then this, like all of it, every, every one of these expansions has been like massive game progress affecting DLC. It is for Paradox. They know how to make DLC. Yeah. And Stellaris is so old at this point. I think it's lasted for like two full civilization games. It came out in 2011? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 That was, uh. Oh, 2016. Okay. But still, that's, uh, that's eight years, which is a lifetime. It has, uh, 110,000 reviews on Steam. <laughs> uh. So many, so much time. So many hours spent in that game, and I love it. It's, it's, Probably like I, I I like the endless games a little bit, but I don't think they're as good as Stellaris. Yeah, isn't the Endless Dungeon coming out again? A new version of it? It's a it's a roguelike top down shooter called Endless Dungeon, yeah. And uh, it takes place in the Endless Universe. Um, it's pretty good. I've played some pre I've played previews of it, and uh, it's not a bad idea. It's just. It's so different from what I would expect from an endless game. And I never played the, it's like, it's a sequel. It's, they've done something like this before, but I've never played the original one. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm so used to 4X within the endless series that it's such a strange jump for me. What's sad is that, you know, it came out the same year, the Master of Orion reboot and Solaris just ate its lunch. Listen to this. This is the uh, this is the list of uh, of of full on expand, not like small DLC, full on expansions that have come out for Stellaris. Planetoids, Leviathans, Utopia, Synthetic Dawn, Humanoids, Apocalypse, Distant Stars, Megacorp, Ancient Relics, Lithoids, Federations, Necroids, Nemesis, Aquatics, Overlord. Toxoids, First Contact, Galactic Paragons, and now Astroplanes. Yeah. All the DLC that Master of Ryan has is three uh, race packs, and that's it. <laughs> it's like, 
I, I like I said, um, Stellaris came and ate Master of Orion's lunch. <laughs> and Master of Orion two was the space forex uh, game. It was the forex game, and then yeah, I've heard I've often heard good things about Master of Orion. And then um, you know I uh, when Master of Orion was announced, I got the early access, and I really haven't. When did I last play this game? I'm going to be embarrassed to see. It. On Steam, with the last date that you play it, <laughs> but yeah, um, I just you know. But the problem with Master Ryan Two was so hard; it was so difficult. It's like at some point, the people would come spewing out, and the Orions would come and just wreck you. It's like, yeah, game over. You got wrecked by an extremely advanced race because you didn't you didn't set yourself up right. And the funny thing is, Master Orion and Stellaris have the same style of of forex. They're both actually, you know, Galactic Civilizations was the one that came out after Master Orion basically vanished the original Master Orion games, and they did their own version of it, which is more of an RPG, more of a narrative RPG, and that's what um, both Stellaris and uh, and uh, uh, the Master Orion reboot did. So uh, last time I played uh, Mass Orion, the reboot was July 6, 2019. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a while since I last played that. I don't know why I haven't played it. It's not a bad game. I think maybe it's just bland. Like it's like it took everything, all the personality of Mass Orion 2 and just, you know, sandpapered it out. Mm. But Solaris has a lot of personality, which is why yes, I think it it's does. popular. So. Yeah, I think like right out of the gate, being able to create your own race with your own like sense of oh, you could do that in Master Orion, but it's like it's still bland, right? I I, I just I loved creating, I loved making my own races and and like doing my own thing after I understood the rules of Stellaris. It, it is definitely one of those games where once you like realize how it works, it's fun to bend it. Anyways, uh, we have listener feedback. Take it away, TJ. This is from Ralph. Hi, guys. Thank you for the episode, and congratulations to number 700. Thank you. What an amount of episodes. I respect your work, even if I'm not able to listen to every episode. Thank you so much for hundreds of hours of entertainment. Regarding this special episode, I can't say so much, sadly. I don't play... I don't play and I've never played any uh, Call of Duty or Guilty Gear, so can't say anything about that. About modding, I never cared much for mods in any game. Normally I buy games because I like them the way they are, because uh, I can or have to mod and not because I can or have to mod them. That's fair. I like, I, I'm, I'm kind of in that same camp uh, when it comes to a lot of stuff. There's a handful of games that I feel like I want to just be, like, like Fallout 4 is one of those games where like I once you're done with it, it's fun to go back and fiddle with the rules. I think the only thing um, I do are, are graphic upgrades. The only game I played the last weeks was some Magic the Gathering. I downloaded some smaller games to my Switch because I'm flying out to Miami next week. If so, I needed something on the flight. Now, if I remember correctly, Ralph is from Germany. Yeah, yep, he yes, says right from Germany. Greetings for Germany. Stay safe and uh, and happy. Welcome to our country. We hope you uh, have a good time. Um, the only game I'm looking forward to is Silk Song. 
everything else did not catch me at all. You know, That's every weird. time there's a there's an Xbox presentation, everybody just repeats Silk Song, Silk Song. I don't know if that thing's coming out ever. When was that? When, when when was it first announced? Like 2018. It's like it's how long does it really take to make a a sequel to to you know that game? It's uh, Hollow Knight. It's like it's it's not exactly backbreaking. Or at least not. To, at least it doesn't seem so to me. Maybe it's really, maybe it's really tricky to to get play balance, but I don't know what's taking that game so long. Uh, let's see. I feel like they the scope went way beyond what they thought it was going to be from the beginning, and like it's just a part of it has been adjusting to the scope of the project as as it's grown. What were you going to say, Scott? Oh, just that. Noticing that uh, I think Tears of the Kingdom had, uh, sorry, Breath of the Wild had come out around 2018, and then uh, Tears of the Kingdom was 2023. So it was like just thinking about that, how we had gotten that, and it was originally going to be DLC and then expanded. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's what TJ was alluding to too, that the the new scope of the project is getting adjusted to it, and you know, trying to make it work, I guess, as a new game. Well, if you find out it has NFTs or something. I worry about Team Cherry and I worry about Silk Song because I actually don't think as, as hyped as that game has been and as much as everybody has wanted it, I just don't feel like it can ever live up to the expectations that people have for it. It just needs to be Hollow Knight, except with a bow on top. Sure. I don't, I don't think it's a is I don't think it's as bad as the whole Half Life Three uh, meme gets. It's like there's no nothing for that at all, and this. I don't know. This will come out when it when it's ready to. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know, Ori, the sequel to Ori was basically just, you know, I'm going to simplify this a lot, but it was just basically more, more of the same Ori that you've enjoyed. It's like a full game expansion. I mean, I think people just want Silk Song to be more of Hollow Knight. Yeah. yeah. And I hope it will be. And I hope that people enjoy it when it does happen. I think it'll eventually happen. It's not like it's not like it's Ubisoft who is uh, delaying games up until they cancel them. Why well, you mm. mean like you mean like Beyond Good and Earth Two? Beyond Good and Evil Two. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil. You know they had another th- uh, thing that says, "Oh, here's a little bit of snippet of Beyond Good and Evil Two," and it's like, okay, whatever. Where's the game? Damn it. When did when did they Beyond first have Evil Two, uh, Skull and Bones, and also uh, the Prince of Persia? Sansa oh well, Tony Skull and Bones is just a friggin' rip off of, ta- of of World of Warships. It's just. But also the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake, which was announced, here. and we even got a trailer for it, and then they said delayed indefinitely. Oh, let's see here. So, but uh, Ralph rounds out by saying, sorry for not commenting, really constructive or interesting. Please keep on the good work and please stay healthy. Greetings from Germany, Ralph. Hey, no worries, man. We appreciate hearing from you. So the first time they uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 got announced was at the 2017 E3. And since then, they had then a couple of years later, they had that trailer was just baffling. Which had none of the previous characters. At least the first teaser had Paige sitting you know, Paige, for those who don't know, is the uh, pigman. And then they just had this, like, three years later, they had this dog fight with these furries cursing at each other. It's like, is this good and evil, too? Really? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, what are you doing? Although I will say, if they ever make Crimson Skies two, I'll be in. A, I'll be there. I'll be ready for that. That's one. That's one IP that Microsoft has that everybody loves, and they really haven't done anything with Crimson Skies. Yeah. Which. I wouldn't mind an open world MMO uh, flying sim. Yeah. If I could just like, you could straight up have factions. You could have bases all over the uh, all over like. Oh no, I'm the, sorry. The, the, Beyond, the original Good Beyond Evil Two trailer was in two thousand eight. The the weird trailer was in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we've heard so much about it since. <laughs> I don't know what Ubisoft uh, does best these days, but it's certainly not make games. Something something is weird going on with Michael uh, Michel Ancel. There, there's something weird going on with him. I don't know yeah. what it is. It's like what's funny is that he got a special thanks for credit for Psychonauts 2. And this is six years before he did anything. The last thing he did was uh, was Rayman Adventures in 2015. Let's see. There's something going on with him. I don't know what's going on with him. It's like he's gone funny. Yeah, maybe so. Right. So, yeah, it was um, there were claims that he, there was allegations of toxic leadership at Ubisoft, which is not exactly a surprise considering what's going on at Ubisoft. But um, he's denied the allegations and said those fake news, which makes me believe, yeah, he was he, actually he was. Toxic. I have to believe he's he's toxic. If it's taking 15, 15 years to get this game out, it surpassed uh, um, it surpassed Duke Nukem Forever. Now, Duke Nukem Forever took fourteen years. Yeah, like I have, I have no idea. Like, and the only thing that they're doing with Rayman these days is like putting him in cameo roles. Anyways. Like that's your yeah. that's one of the most iconic faces of your entire company. Well, here's the thing: Rayman introduced raving rabbits, and now the rabbits have taken over the asylum. <laughs> yeah, like, no kidding, right? It's like, eesh. I mean, they're like minions, you know? They're the original minions. It's like, who back in 2010 had Rayman becoming a second banana to, in a rabbits game on their bingo card? It was like, well, 2006 was the first Ray, Rayman Raving Rabbids game. So, I don't know. Um, last good Rayman game was, of course, Rayman Legends. Which is, it is still the high mark for the Mario-style platformer. It's like, it's like, it's Mario, but you have to get good. Mm-hmm. And Mario even, like you said earlier, Mario even... Rayman Legends was so good that even Mario borrowed from it by doing some music levels in uh, in Wonder, where you move to the level to the sound of the beat. And, uh, like, you can't tell me even for a second that that wasn't ripped right out of those fantastic uh, music levels in Rayman you, you Legends. Can't, you can't go wrong with Eye of the Tiger. Come on. <laughs> That one, Black Betty. Oh my God, I, I loved those levels so bad, so much. And also, woohoo! Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, thanks for writing in, Ralph. Uh, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. I have to say, uh, for those you don't know, uh, for some reason our RSS link is broken. So the last few episodes have not been going out to the to the uh, and Ralph pointed this out to me and our podcasts have not been uploading to you know whatever iTunes and stuff like that. So I have to figure out how to edit it and restore the RSS feed. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably went to gamingpodcast.net and listened to it live in in person. You know you don't have to you don't have to download it. You can go to the website, but of course, obviously it's easier to. Um, uh, to go to have it on your cell phone listening to it. But right now, um, we're having issues with that. So if you enjoy your feedback, leave a comment at our blog here at gamingpodcast.net. Also, it's up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to it as iTunes at some point when you're able to. <laughs> and leave some iTunes comments at some point when you're able to. Um, you can find me on at Twitter X at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chuds. You can find me at Shard Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.